So it's Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and we'll read from verse 1, please. And Solomon, of course, is the writer. I said in mine heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works, I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards, I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kind of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens, and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on all the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. And I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly, for what can the man do that cometh after the king, even that which hath been already done? Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly, as far as light excelleth darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceive also that one event happeneth to them all. Then said I in my heart, as it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. 
And how dieth the wise man as the fool? Therefore I hid it life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. And we'll end a reading here at the verse 17. Let us unite our hearts together as we come to God's Word. Our loving Heavenly Father, we praise Thee this evening that Thy Word is, is light and it is truth. Thy Word is the life-giving Word. And here in the Scriptures, we learn of our own personal need as sinners before Thee. And we learn of Christ, the sinner's Savior, the one who is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. And so we pray, Lord, that others will find the path of life. Others this night will be brought to taste and see that the Lord is good. So bless thy word in this building and over the internet, we pray that it will bring forth fruit to eternal life. So put thy hand upon us, give wisdom and enablement, we pray, and glorify thyself. We ask it in the Savior's lovely name. Amen. Here in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 17, Solomon says, I hated life. I hated life. Of the 39 books of the Old Testament, five of them are poetical. We think of Job, the Psalms, Proverbs, the Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes. National World affairs are not dealt with in these books. These books grapple with the great issues of the heart and its relationship with God. Solomon, the writer of Ecclesiastes, he makes this alarming, this surprising, astounding statement. I hated life. Moses, Elijah, Job, Jeremiah, and Jonah all expressed the desire to give up their earthly lives. But perhaps no one had as much reason to feel life burdensome as the Apostle Paul. As he served God, what hardship, what hardness, what suffering he experienced for the gospel's sake. He did have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, but that was tempered with this all-consuming ambition when he said, for me to live is Christ. Paul lived life to the full, serving the Lord, doing his perfect will. So how startling it is that Solomon should say, 
I hate life. After all, it seems that he had everything that the heart of man could wish. He had position, he had power, prosperity, popularity, he had pleasure. He had everything, yet this is his statement, I hit life. A question that comes to the fore in many minds in this 21st century is this, is life worth living? Voltaire, the French infidel, He said, I hate life, and yet I am afraid to die, end of quote. That's how many feel today. Solomon's statement in our text, it highlights the emptiness of his soul, the void left in it as he pursued the things of earth to the neglect of the things of heaven. I wonder as you gather with us and as you hear this message, have you this pessimistic view? You hate life. You say it's without real purpose and fulfillment. Is that the case? You have never been to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the giver of life. David, Solomon's father, he has this to say in Psalm 16 and verse 11, speaking of the Lord, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Oh, the Son of God is the one who brings to our hearts real life, eternal life. Oh, that you would come from this world's vanity fair to the Son of God who truly can save and satisfy. We will think of this text in three ways this evening. First of all, we think of this statement, I hated life. And we'll look at the reasons defined. Why did Solomon come to this point where he concluded life isn't worth living? There are a number of reasons. Solomon concluded life isn't worth living because of its weary round. In Ecclesiastes 1 and verses 2 and 3, he says, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun. Here is a recurring phrase of Ecclesiastes 
under the sun. Along with the phrase under heaven, it's, it occurs 29 times. Solomon describes life as a weary round. A famous Indian leader said, everything we do is in a circle. The seasons form a great circle. He said life is just a circle. And we see that kind of thought expressed in verse 4 of Ecclesiastes 1, when Solomon says, One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh. We will go the way of all men, and another generation in the cycle of life will come after us. Verse 5, he refers to the sun. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. In other words, he views the sun going round the earth, the circle of the earth. In verse 6, he speaks of the wind. The wind goeth toward the south, turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually. The wind returneth again according to his circuits. The wind goes round and round. In verse 7 of chapter 1, he refers to the rivers. The rivers run into the sea. But the sea is not full unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. We know that the waters, they drop, the water drops from the clouds, filling up the rivers and the seas. And from those same rivers and seas, the water returns to the clouds, a revolving circle. And at times we speak of the life cycle. Life has turned full circle. And Solomon emphasizes the emptiness, the unsatisfying nature of it all in verse 8 of chapter 1. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Is life a continuous weary round for yourself? It follows the same pattern from when the alarm goes off in the morning until you lay your head on the pillow at night. There's the same routine going round the circle of life. Often we hear children saying, I'm bored. And maybe the same is true of yourself. There's really an emptiness. There is a drudgery about your daily living. Solomon concluded 
life isn't worth living because of its weary round, but also because of the vanity of wisdom. He applied himself to intellectual things. He gave his heart to seek and search after wisdom. Verse 13 of chapter 1, I give my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under the heaven. He could say in verses 16 and 17, he, he says, My heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. I give my heart to know wisdom. Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. We have read together in chapter 2, where he tells us in verses 4, 5, and 6, I, I made great works. I builded houses, planted vineyards, made gardens and orchards. I planted trees. I made me pools of water. Oh, Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived on this earth. But he concluded in verse 17, Concerning wisdom, I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit, for in much wisdom is much grief. He concluded, life isn't worth living also because of the futility of wealth. In chapter 2 and verse 7, he tells us, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. Verse 8, I gathered silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings. And in verse 9, so I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. He inherited vast stores of wealth laid up by his father David. 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 27 tells us that the king made silver to be in Jerusalem as stones. Think of that. Silver was in such abundance in Jerusalem. It was as common as the stones of the street. The richest man in the world, Solomon, and yet he's not content. He's not happy with life. Isn't this the dream of so many in 2022? If only I had more wealth. If only I had a greater bank balance. Why has the lottery gained such popularity in our time? It's because of the craving of the heart for wealth. But Solomon had it all, and his heart was still empty. 
he says, I hate life. Solomon concluded, life isn't worth living also because of the reality of death. As he examined life under the sun, he could not help but face up to the presence of death, the last enemy. Look at how he says in chapter 2 and the closing part of verse 14. He says, I perceive also that one event happeneth to them all. To all men and women, there is one event that we cannot escape. In verse 16, he asks, And how dieth the wise man as the fool? He is saying, What is it all about? Even if I have all the wealth and all the wisdom and the worldly pleasure... I must needs die. It will mean nothing when I leave this world. I must leave it all behind. I must go the way of all men. And for all of these reasons, Solomon came to the point where he concluded and stated, I hid it life. I It isn't worth living. It's all pointless. It's without substance, satisfaction, or meaning. Is that your conclusion? Life for you is an empty shell with no real purpose or fulfillment or goal or aim? That brings us to the second thought, the reflection demanded. Why is it that people get to the point where they question whether life is worth the living? For some, it's regrets that bring them here. People often say, if only, if only I had done such and such, If only I had not missed that golden opportunity. The door opened, but I failed to step through it. If only I had my life to live over again. I wonder what regrets Demas had. He was a member of Paul's evangelistic team. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and the verse 10, it's recorded concerning Demas. He hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. The love of the world, it drew this man Demas away from the side of the apostle Paul. He forsook the way of the cross for the way of the world. Did the beggarly beggarly elements of the world bring fulfillment to Demas? 
They brought emptiness. They filled his heart with regret. He was spoiled for the world. The Christian can find no satisfaction in the world apart from Christ. We think of Lot, how he must have hated life in Sodom. When he lost out with God, how miserable he was. Second Peter chapter 2 and verses 7 and 8 speaks of just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation, the filthy lifestyle of the wicked. The verse 8, For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Oh, it was the wrong place for Lot to be found. He ought never to have pitched his tent toward the plains of Sodom. He lost out, he backslid, lost the joy of salvation. Peter was broken-hearted over his denial of the Lord. We know that he went out and wept bitterly. But if there is a backslider listening to the Word of God from this pulpit, there is recovery, there is healing, there is cleansing. In Psalm 51, we have David's recovery recorded for us. His prayer is this in verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. The backslider has not lost salvation. He has lost its joy. And the joy of your salvation upon your repentance and calling upon the Lord can be restored. For some regrets bring them here. With others, it's restlessness that brings them here. It seems in the way of human reckoning that Solomon had everything going for him. He had power and pleasure. He had wisdom and wealth. All that the heart could wish, we might say. No, the reality is different. Still there was a restlessness. Some children today they are given all they want. Are they happy then as a consequence? More often than not, they are the most grumpy and miserable children around. Ours is the age of the gimmies. Give me this, give me that, give me something else. It's godliness men and women, that brings fulfillment and contentment. In First Timothy chapter 6 and the verse 6, 
we read that godliness with contentment is great gain. Mark the connection between godliness and contentment. While Solomon was searching among the things of earth, he lost the contentment that his heart ought to have had. Oh, that you would seek it at the right source. Isaiah chapter 57 and the verse 20 It explains to us that the way of the wicked, the wicked or the godless are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Regrets bring some here restlessness brings them here. And for Solomon, it was refusal to walk in his father's steps that brought him here. David, he closely observed his ways. He watched his father on his knees before God. He heard him sing the Lord's praises, but he refused to walk as he walked. He turned to vanity fair. The influence of your wife, your husband, mother, father, friend, has been a light showing you the way, but you have refused to come to the Savior that you might have life. No wonder then there's an emptiness, a meaninglessness, an emptiness to all as far as you are concerned. And lastly, we come to the recognition displayed. Solomon, in this journey of life in Ecclesiastes, he comes to recognize that there's more to our existence than that which is under the sun. He recognizes that there is that which is above the sun. All under the sun, all things earthly, are vanity. That which is above the sun is all important. It's vital and eternal. And so we find that Solomon elevated his thoughts. Turn over a few pages to chapter 6 and verse 3. If a man beget an hundred children and live many years, so that the days of his years be many, and his soul be not filled with good. Do you see how he comes to reckon concerning the soul? Our souls are that spiritual part of us. These bodies of ours are made of clay, the dust of the ground. They will return to the dust of the ground from whence they came. But our souls will inhabit eternity. 
And so what about your soul? That eternal part of you. The Lord had this question in Mark chapter 8 and verse 36. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? To gain the world would be the ultimate in the reckoning of many. But if if it were possible for you to gain the world and you lost your soul, you would have lost everything. The things which are seen, the things that are under the sun are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And they are all important. Oh, forget about earthly pleasure, amassing wealth. Concentrate on the eternal riches of the gospel. Job chapter 22 and the verse 21. It exhorts you, acquaint now thyself with him, with the Lord, and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. Oh, that you would elevate your thoughts from the mundane, from the things of today and tomorrow, to the matter of your soul's well-being, to eternal things, to heaven and hell. Solomon elevated his thoughts Solomon engaged his thoughts. For in chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. He fixed his mind on the great Creator who became our Savior. 1 Peter 4 And verse 19, it refers to those who committed their souls unto God as unto a faithful creator. The Lord, by the power of his saving grace, can make you a new creature. The Lord can bring you from the place where you are now condemned already facing hell's destruction to where you're accepted with God in Christ and bound for heaven. Oh, can't you see the urgency of it all? The urgency of the salvation of your soul. For Solomon says, remember now, now thy Creator, thy Savior, Not tomorrow, but now. We are told in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2, Now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. The professor who first separated Siamese twins, he passed away from this life with a piece of paper in his hand. 
And on that piece of paper, there were some personal matters for his family. And it also included Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1. He was an unbeliever, but he left this somber warning. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. And how important it is to get right with God in one's youth. Before one's life is broken and hardened and coarsened with sin. Young person, now is the time to be saved. Older person, now is the hour of your soul's salvation. Flee, flee to Christ, the Savior we all need. God hath said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. And we see Solomon's conclusion in verse 13 of chapter 12. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God. What does it mean? It means to stand in awe of him. To reverence him. When the Lord was here on earth, in Luke chapter 12 and verse 5, He said, I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Oh, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God unconverted unsaved, unprepared. Oh, that you would come. Fear God, Solomon says, and keep his commandments. God now commands all men everywhere to repent. He commands us to obey the gospel. 1 Timothy 6 And the verse 17, it speaks of of those who trust not in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Oh, that you would make the Lord your trust. The Lord is rich unto all those that call upon his name. Jacob, in refusing Esau's conciliatory present, Jacob said, I have enough. I have all things. He had the Lord. He knew the Lord. The Lord said, I am come that ye might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly. 
Oh, that you would come to this conclusion where you will fear God. You will seek with your whole heart the Savior, the one who has power on earth to forgive you your sin and obey the gospel command to repent of your sin and to trust in the only Savior. Solomon said, as he examined the things under the sun, I hated life. But he draws our attention to the importance of eternity, the things above the sun, the soul that will never die. Oh, may you go away from this meeting saved by the grace of God, right with God, ready for eternity. It is eternal life to know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. May you have eternal life and know that it's well with your soul. Let us bow together in prayer. Our loving, eternal Father, how we thank Thee for the Lord Jesus, who said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. We know, Lord, that Thou hast the words of eternal life. There's none other that we can come to in our sin. Thou art the one who is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And we pray that none hearing thy word will harden their heart, none will turn away their ear from hearing, but each one will come just as they are and trust in the work of thy cross and know with glad assurance it is well it is well with my soul. We know that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. O Lord, bring others to the knowledge of thy so great salvation. We ask it in the Savior's name. Amen.